and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. I'm Warren Landis, your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And at this time, I want to say hello to all of our listeners on Spotify and Anchor FM and all the other various uh, platforms that we have here at Sunshine USA. And as I've mentioned before, uh, November is a very special month to me. It is my spiritual birthday month. I was saved at the age of 14 at uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, 1969. And um, that's when I made the most important decision of my life, to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And, and you know, it's interesting. I was religious long before that. But God convicted my heart that being religious was not good enough. By the age of 14, I had already um, been baptized. I was a member of a church active in our youth group, read my Bible just about every day, and I even went through the motions of praying. But I realized I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I did not know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And so I remember the Sunday before Thanksgiving, 1969, I told my mother I needed to be saved and wanted to be saved, and we went into her bedroom and there we knelt down by her bed, and I prayed, and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, to save my soul, forgive me of my sins, and from that moment till now, I have been a Christian. I have known Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and then after that, I followed the Lord in Christian baptism. Now, like I said, I already been baptized one time, but that was at the age of seven, and I did that simply because all my friends were getting baptized. And uh, I was told I couldn't have anything from the Lord's Supper tray until such time as I got saved. So I decided, you know what? I better get saved, get baptized, and, and uh, <laughs> hit the Lord's Supper. But you see, I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. And... As they say, it didn't take, so I had to get saved for real at the age of 14, 1969, Sunday before Thanksgiving. And by the way, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me tell you something. That is the most important decision that you can ever make in your life. You'll make a number of important decisions, all right, who to marry, what kind of career to follow in your life. Uh, where are you going to live? What kind of car are you going to drive? What kind of stock market investments are you going to make? All kinds of important decisions that we make in life. But none, absolutely none, is more important than your decision to, to accept Christ as your Savior and to make Him the Lord of your life. And if you haven't done that today, I pray that you will do that today. You'll pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, save your soul, and give you a new life, a new life that only Jesus can give you. It's not an old life patched up, it's a brand new life. Amen. Well, uh, today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. What we're doing on the program now, we're studying, you might say, through the Old Testament and the New Testament at the same time. So every other broadcast, we're going to be in the New Testament. Every other broadcast will be in the Old Testament. And um, 
will be able to cover the Bible a little bit more quickly that way. And today we come to Genesis chapter 3. Now those of you that know your Bibles, you know that Genesis chapter 3 is where we read about the first sin. It's interesting to note that Satan has a way of making himself known fairly early in the Bible, like I say, Genesis chapter 3. And um, it raises the question, what does the devil look like? What does the devil look like? I mean, um, the best way to avoid trouble with sin is to avoid Satan. But what does he look like? How, how do we look out for him? What does he look like? Um, some people say, well, you know, he's kind of like a red demon. He's got a pointed tail and a pitchfork and horns coming out of his head and everything. But that's usually not what Satan looks like. Usually Satan appears to us in disguise. He appears to us when we least expect it. And as we'll see in chapter 3, he actually appears in the form of a serpent. Now the serpent was a creature created by God. And at that time, it appears that uh, serpents walked upright, kind of like uh, we human beings do. But this was the kind of creature that Adam and Eve saw every day. So whenever they saw a serpent, they didn't say, oh no, there's Satan. <laughs> no, that's the creature they saw every day. But as we'll see in Genesis chapter 3, Satan decides to appear to Eve in the form of a serpent. Now, first of all, let's take a look at the last verse in Genesis chapter 2. It says, And they, Adam and Eve, were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, this indicates that at this point, Adam and Eve were in a state of innocence. This was before sin entered the picture. It says they were both naked, and not afraid. And, you know, it seems that Adam and Eve, compared to us, they had it made. They only had one thing that they were forbidden to do. They could not eat from the tree of knowledge and of good and evil. They could not eat fruit from that tree. Other than that, there were no other commandments for them to keep. But as we'll see here in Genesis chapter 3, <laughs> uh, there comes a time when sin enters into the picture. Now, I will point out that we're not sure how much time elapses between the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. Now, we know that at some point Satan was kicked out of heaven because he led a rebellion against God, and of course... Satan discovered that anytime you rebel against God, you're always going to lose. And so Satan gets kicked out of heaven. And uh, we know that this has already happened by the time we get to the beginning of chapter 3. Because you see, when we get to chapter 3, Satan is introduced to us right away. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent 
was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So Satan starts talking to Eve in the form of a serpent. Now, I might say that the first mistake Satan, I mean, the first mistake that Eve made was talking to Satan, getting into a conversation with Satan. Because you see, as Christians, anytime we get ourselves into a conversation with Satan, that's where Satan can trip us up. And boy, did he trip Eve up. <laughs> you might say he tripped her up real good. And he might not have been able to do that had she not decided to talk to him in the first place. And notice what Satan does. He brings into question that which God has already spoken. Now, I pointed out a while ago the most important decision that you and I can ever make is that decision to receive Christ as Savior. Now, I would assume that most of you listening to this podcast already have made that decision. I would say that most of you have probably already made that decision to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Or you probably wouldn't have any desire to listen to a podcast like Sunshine USA, where we study the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So, Satan appears to Eve in the form of a serpent, and right off the bat, he brings into question something that God has told Adam and Eve not to do. And, of course, you know that Satan is still at work doing that today. Satan will say, you don't need to be saved. All you need, all you need to do is just uh, live right, believe right, and everything will be all right. You don't need to get saved. You don't need a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Satan is trying to tell people today. You see, his number one strategy is to keep you from getting saved in the first place. And then if you get saved anyway, his next strategy is to keep you from being of any value to God. He never gives up. He's always at work trying to trip you up. And like I say, that's why we as Christians have to ground ourselves in the Word of God. Otherwise, we're going to get messed up. Now, let's notice what Eve says here. Um, verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, which is true, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, here Satan is tempting Eve further, and Eve makes her second mistake. She misquotes God. And, you know, it's almost like you can hear some sarcasm in her voice when she's talking to Satan. 
She says, oh yeah, that one tree in the midst of the garden. We can't eat it. Neither shall we touch it. Lest we die. Now that, of course, indicates that Eve is personally casting doubt on the word of God. She's not taking God seriously. It's almost like here she's making fun of God. And I would imagine at this point Satan is probably feeling really happy because he knows that he's practically got Eve already. So let's find out what happens. And the serpent said unto the woman, You will not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So once again, we have Satan bringing into question what God has said. Disputing, in effect, what God has said. And then we see here where Eve makes mistake number three. It says in verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So here they are both doing the very thing that God had told them not to do. Now we might point out it is actually Eve who is conversing here with Satan, not Adam. Now, it's really not clear from the scripture whether Adam is standing right beside her, or maybe um, Adam is working out in the yard, working in a nearby field, but she takes the fruit from the forbidden tree and she gives it to Adam. Now, it may be Adam is at first initially unaware of where this particular fruit came from. Now, bearing in mind the fruit didn't necessarily look any different from all the other trees in the garden. But the tree in the middle of the garden, they were not supposed to eat from it. And we notice here one of the mistakes that Eve makes is she takes a look at that tree. And you know, that tree looks pretty good. Now, you know, when Satan tempts people all over America throughout the world today, we have people all around the world saying, you know, sin looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. You know, you might have a salesman. He's out on the road. He goes home on the weekends, but during the week he's on the road selling products. He's in a hotel room. He's feeling lonely. And he decides, you know, I think I'm going to do business with a prostitute. My wife's not going to know anything about it. I mean, man, I'm hundreds of miles away. So he has an affair. And then before you know it, he's having affairs with all kinds of women 
maybe in a number of cities across America. But you know, the Bible says, whatever you sow, you will also reap. There comes a time when if you plant enough seeds of sin, those seeds of sin are going to start blooming. And they're going to create problems for you. Something that you thought was very well hidden, something that you thought was a big secret, all of a sudden, it becomes public knowledge. We, we see this at work every day in our world. A politician's running for office, and all of a sudden, you have women all over the country claiming to have had an affair with this guy. Now, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, I don't know. But you can see where sin grows into a crop more quickly than you thought and causes problems for you further down the road. So here we have Eve earnestly looking at this tree. She says, you know, the fruit on that tree, it does look pretty good. In fact, the fruit doesn't look any different from all the other trees in the garden that we can eat from. So I think I'll just take this piece of fruit. And by the way, everybody thinks it was an apple. We don't really know. All we know for sure is this is a, uh, a, a piece of fruit. And fruit from a tree they were forbidden to eat from. That's why she could give it to her husband, Adam, who may not have known where the fruit came from. Because like I say, it didn't look any different from all the other trees in the garden. But we will see that sin has a way of making itself known. It says in verse 7, And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. That's in verse 7. They made themselves aprons. In other words, what we have here is man hard at work trying to cover up the sin that he has committed. Of course, you know, we, we see this happening all the time. They say that's why a lie is probably the cornerstone of all sins, because once you tell a lie, then you have to tell another lie to cover up that lie, and then another lie to cover up that lie, and pretty soon you've got a whole chain of lies, a web of lies, a web of deceit. And pretty soon you're trapped. There is seemingly no way out. Let's read on a little bit further. We see here in verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now, you know, that's an interesting situation there. God says, Where art thou? Now, you know, 
I, I think it's fair to say God already knew where Adam and Eve were. And he knew that they were hiding amongst the trees from him. They couldn't bear to look at God. Now, you know, that brings us to one of the penalties of sin right here. And that is that sin, for those of us who are Christians, it disrupts our fellowship with God. You can't be in a close relationship with God and have sin in your life. There's no way you can do that. God won't let you do that. Now it appears that up to this point, this was a pretty regular thing. God would converse with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening, walking through the garden there. But now that Adam and Eve have succumbed to sin, they're afraid to face God. They're trying to hide from God. They're trying to conceal their sin. Now, if I were preaching in your church auditorium this morning, let's say I, I was preaching in church, and let's say you've got 300 people in your church. I would say, of those 300 people, probably at least half or more have deep, dark sins that they have never told anybody. And if they did tell anybody, it would shock everybody else in their family. It would shock people that they know. But you see, you can't hide anything from God. There's not a single sin that I can commit that I can hide from God. And the same is true for you. You can't hide any of your sins from God. When you sin, regardless of how seemingly big or little that sin is, you cannot hide that sin from God. Because God hears everything, he knows everything, he sees everything. Nothing is hidden from God. Now you might do a pretty good job hiding it from other people. I remember uh, reading one time about a U.S. senator who died. And pretty soon the world found out that senator had a lot of really big secrets that he died with. That didn't become known until after that senator died. A lot of people have untold stories, <laughs> untold secrets. You might do a pretty good job concealing your sin from other people. But you will never conceal your sin from God. You will never conceal your sin from God. Because the minute you sin, God's going to let you know it. I, I know in my own life, anytime that I commit a sin, a lot of times God will stop me right there. Whoa, he says, you just did something I don't like. You just committed a sin. And right then and there, I will drop whatever I'm doing and I will pray and I will ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive me. And of course, I know he will. But you see, I can't sin 
without God through the Holy Spirit revealing to me the fact that I have sinned. Why? Because he sees and knows everything. I can't hide anything from God. You can't hide anything from God. It's that simple. Nobody can hide anything from God. Amen. Now, it says here, um, um, and he said, I heard the voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Now, you'll notice here that we have Adam and Eve participating in something called the blame game. Now, typically, this is what people do when finally their sin becomes known to other people. They get involved in the blame game. They try to rationalize. They try to come up with excuses. And, of course, none of it works. Adam says, well, God, this woman that you gave me, Eve, she gave me the fruit. And he, like I say, he, he may or may not have known where that fruit came from. Now, probably by now he does, but he didn't know it then. But he blames it on Eve. Eve, in turn... Blames it on the serpent. God, this, this serpent that you created, he tricked me. He tripped me up. See, it's the blame game. We always want to blame our sin on something else or someone else. When really what God wants us to do is to come clean. And simply own up to the fact that, hey, we've sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. But you see, at this point, Adam and Eve are not willing to do that. Now we note here, if we took the time to read the rest of this chapter, we would see, of course, where God basically tells them that they have sinned. Now, he does uh, make aprons for them, but um, he lets them know they have sinned, and they are actually cast out of the Garden of Eden. Now, one of the points I make here is that sin always has a price tag. Sin always has a price tag. You can't believe what kind of price tag sin has. And there's always something that we lose out on when we sin. One of the things we miss out on 
and I pointed this out already, is the fact our fellowship with God is disrupted. But there may be other opportunities we also miss out on because of the fact that we sinned against God. Now, you know, I'm at an age now, I'm 68 years old. In less than a year, I'll be 69 years old. So the closer I get to age 70, the more I realize my time on this earth is limited. My time on this earth is limited. And the more I can see where someone who sins, they pay a price for that sin. Uh, I thank God I got saved at an early age. I got saved at the age of 14. But I've heard about people getting saved in their 80s. I've heard about people getting saved in their 90s. It's rare, but it does happen. Now, as wonderful as it is for someone to get saved in their 80s or 90s, it's even better when a young person gets saved because, you see, they've got a whole life they can live for God. they got a whole life they can live for God. And I can tell you, I'm not perfect. I'm not without sin. But I can say I have tried to live my life in a way that is pleasing to God. Sometimes I fall short of that goal. But I know that God picks me up. He forgives me and... Me and God, we keep going. I keep trying very hard to do the work that he's called me to do. Like I say, I do this program, Sunshine USA, out of the goodness of my heart. It's a labor of love. I don't accept a salary for doing this program. I do it only for one reason. I love God and I love you. That's the only reason I have for doing this program. The only one. Because I love God. I love you and I want to see as many people get saved as I can before it's eternally and everlastingly too late. But sin always has a price tag. Now the good news is it's never too late to get things right with the Lord. As long as you're alive on this earth, if you're not right with God, you have that glorious opportunity to get right with God. You can make that decision today. Just say, Lord, I confess my sin. I admit my sin. Lord, I've blown it. But God, I ask you to forgive me. And now, Lord, help me to walk in your ways. And God will do exactly that. And know that God has a plan for your life. And just because you've sinned, it doesn't alter God's plan for your life. You could still do great things for God. But first, you have to be willing to get right with God. And then God will forgive you, help you pick up the pieces, and keep going. Amen.
Well, that brings us to the end of chapter number three. And of course, ever since chapter number three, uh, we find that um, man has a sin nature. A sin nature that started with Adam and Eve and continues with this day, to this day. When I got saved back in 1969, God saved me, but I still have to deal with that old sin nature. And I will have to deal with that old sinful nature until the day I die. And the same is true with you. Well, if you have a Bible study question or a prayer, prayer request, the best way to let me know is by email. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. And if you want to contact me by snail mail, the old-fashioned, old-school way, you can do that too. My mailing address is Warren Landis, and that's 80 Thruston Street, T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, Apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. Now, that apartment number 8510 is very important. If you don't put the right apartment number on there, I won't get it. And before you seal the envelope, I want you to pray about whether God would have you make a financial contribution to this ministry. If he tells you to get, send something, you do it. If not, you don't have to. You just do Whatever the Lord tells you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Well, that brings us to the end of another broadcast. Until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.